0: Hi, I'm Tim Krolski. When you're in trucking, each day is different, and so is every topic. From regulations to technology, from customers to the daily life of a trucker, it's time to hear from the folks on the road and the people off the road who provide support. Will you agree with their thoughts? Find out when you come with me on Garner Trucking's Beyond the Cab. Hello and welcome to another edition of Beyond the Cab. Today I'm honored to have a couple of great guests with me. I have Ben Helley, who has been with Garner Trucking since August of 2017, and Mr. James Houston, who has also been with Garner Trucking with a 7 at the end, but it's 87, in fact September of 1987. So I'd like to welcome both of you to the show today. We want to talk a little bit today about autonomous vehicles, you know, the industry has become much more tech savvy in terms of software, in-cab communication devices, we've got applications and technology to create fuel efficiencies. There's also a large and fast paced race towards autonomous vehicles right now. This marathon has serious momentum and many competitors within the past three to four years. The stepping stones toward fully automated trucks have been defined through five different levels, and James, I want to talk a little bit about each one of those levels. Um, Some of these have already been achieved, while a few levels of this technology obviously still have yet to come to full fruition. Um, level one, which is required driver assistance with one function controlled automatically. So like cruise control, is there anything else that would fall into that level one category?
1: Not in level one. That's, that's your basic truck.
0: Just so we're just talking one, one item and, uh, it, it just needs to be automated on its own.
1: Exactly.
0: Um, level two, you've get, you get a little closer, so you've got a few more items. you got partial automation with both steering and acceleration or deceleration being automated and a driver ready to take control of that vehicle.
1: And that's kind of where we're at today, right? Yes, we have uh, five trucks that are equipped with the steering assist. Um, but as it says, that's partial automation. That means the driver still must keep his hands on the wheel at all times. Um, it's not a setup where you can, you know, let go of the wheel and the vehicle's driving you down the road. That's, that's not a level two, uh, uh, le- a level of automation.
0: Right, right. Now, ben, you're currently driving a vehicle with that level two type package. What, uh, what are your thoughts at this point? Uh, how is driving that type of a vehicle and, and, and those autonomous features, how has that kind of affected your driving habits at this point?
2: It really hasn't changed. Okay. Because you still have to keep control of the vehicle, right? Um, You know, like James said, you can't take your just set your hands in your lap and let the thing go down the road. Um, You know, this is the first edition of this software and this this AI that they've put into these trucks, and so at this point, it's not perfect. You know, there are times when it doesn't want to work. You know, it just seems like it doesn't want to work properly. I don't know if it doesn't pick up the lines properly on the road. Um, one of the things I have noticed as well is that it doesn't react as quickly as what I can. Okay. And so it'll start to drift to the center line and it doesn't recorrect faster than what I'm able to recorrect the vehicle. So, you know, you're, you're constantly still scanning. You're, you're, nothing really has changed other than the fact that now you can just light
1: touch on the steering wheel and that's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's it. It's primary function too, is to, uh, reduce driver fatigue as much as it is anything else because it takes so much less input from the driver to control the truck and to keep it in the middle of the lane. Um, What it won't do is it can't see through snow, so if the roads are snow covered, it's not going to pick up the lines. If you get to an exit and all of a sudden the line disappears, it's going to tend to want to wander to the right and the driver has to correct it back, but as soon as it picks the line back up again, then it will continue to uh, travel down the center of the road yeah Um, but but there still has to be input from the driver at all times right
2: yeah and i ran into that yesterday i mean with the first snow coming off the lakes yesterday you know as soon as as it goes with our radar for the uh uh, active cruise and the adaptive braking as soon as that radar is covered then your lane assist disappears as well so yeah you're, you're still um and like you said it's not forward thinking you know i noticed it as well with the exits and then also with uh, intersections when you come up to intersections and the lane disappears it doesn't know what to do all of a sudden the steering wheel starts going side to side because it has no lines to pick up so that 10 feet 15 feet as you go through that intersection it's confused
0: gets gets a little sketchy yeah yeah i said
2: so you know there's just some minor things but like i said it's the first edition it's going to continue to get better i mean there's a reason why these guys get paid the big dollars to to come up with these ideas and to perfect them, right? Yeah, and, and, I, and
1: and Ben brought up a really good point for all the drivers out there, um, because virtually all of our trucks now have the radar detector on the front to pick up, you know, for automatic braking and other things. And it is very important that in these weather conditions, the drivers are keeping those clean. When you do a pre-trip, you want to walk around. It's that little black square right about where your license plate is in that area, right in the center of the bumper. That little black square looks like a plastic box. Um, you don't want that to be covered with snow uh, or ice because that uh, reduces greatly its ability to pick up uh, the lines in the road and traffic that's slowing down. That type of thing.
0: It does get that, because kind of bring up a good point. Do. You, do we need to be concerned with some technology there that you know can heat and and somehow keep keep that uh, snow free ice free in the future so you know you don't run into those types of issues especially when you start talking about you know we, we haven't gotten to yet but that level four and level five type technology where uh, that truck is supposed to be doing predominantly a lot of the
1: work yeah absolutely and that's something that has been discussed um, and I, i'm sure at some point that they will come up with some kind of heat source in that to keep the, uh, the snow and the ice off of it. but as of yet um, these early editions of this um, do not are not equipped with that. Um, so it is up to, to the driver to keep that uh, that box clean. Um, as they progress I'm sure like I said that'll that'll be built into it and, and it will be an as- absolute necessity uh, when we get to a full autonomous truck.
0: Sure. So for a level three that's conditional automation. Uh, safety critical functions are automated, but the driver is present for certain traffic and environmental conditions. what What does that look like, in, you know, to, to to your average driver?
1: Well, I, I don't know for the drivers out there uh, if you've ever heard the tune toom- the uh, term platooning. Um, what platooning is is you can take a group of trucks, say two, three, four trucks, and they can they can get much closer together. The front truck is the one that is actively controlling the other trucks. Once the systems are activated and these four trucks have hooked up in a platoon, the front driver is doing the steering. Um, The second truck now can get much closer to the trailer, uh, a distance where a driver would probably feel a little uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But the truck will maintain that distance at all times if the guy in the front truck applies his brake instantaneously the brakes on the other three trucks will apply at at just a split second Um, so to keep each other from you know slamming into the back of each other's trucks but they will essentially also follow the front truck so if the front truck goes around a curve the other trucks will also follow around the curve and that's what the driver at hands off the truck is actually driving itself but the driver needs to be in there just in case if the first truck, say for example, would uh, hit a patch of ice and begin to jackknife or something, the other drivers have to be ready to take control of their trucks and take any evasive action that they would need to. Um, The purpose of this is that the front truck achieves about an 8% uh, gain in fuel mileage. Uh, It's like drafting in NASCAR. Right, right. And then the second three trucks are achieving close to 15% increase in fuel mileage. So there is a substantial savings in the fuel, but it's not like the the third, you know, the second, third, and fourth trucks where the guy can just kick back and, and relax and take a nap while mm-hmm. they're driving down the road. <laughs> they have to be ready at all times to uh, take control. And I'm not sure if we're quite ready for that yet. There has been a lot of testing done with it. Um, I know if I was in the truck, I don't know how comfortable I would feel sitting in that and second, riding third or fourth. Yeah, truck. yeah. I would want to well, be in the first.
0: Truck. It, it really takes those steps towards level four and five because exactly. really the only def- differences between the level four and the level five is you have a manned situation or a woman situation in level four uh, because everything is, is highly automated. The driver's present just in the event of or to be able to handle that that final mile sets of 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 uh instructions to get to the pickup or the delivery point whereas at level five that's full automation there's no no um, driver present and all scenarios and all conditions are all taken care of by that truck so um you know you're getting into that when you start talking about the the platooning you know in at least in respect of getting down the highway i don't know if you know it's probably not so so well equipped for that final mile piece um, ben, would you say that the technology at this point has changed any perspective? What, what was your perspective previous to autonomy? And I, this may be an unfair question because you've been around since kind of the beginning of this autonomous, you know, type scenario. But what are your feelings just as a, as, a, as a as a driver?
2: I love technology. You know, anything that can make our jobs easier, more efficient. I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I'm, i that you've been around me long enough to know I have a bit of OCD when it comes to efficiency, and so if there's something that can make my job more efficient, I'm all for it. Um, I look forward to the days of getting to that level three, level four, to where you know you're more now you're not so much a driver, you're more of an operator. You know, where you're sitting in a cab, you're monitoring, you know, gauges, you're monitoring, you know, making corrections to different things, and then once you get off of that interstate and you're making that last mile to that delivery and backing into the dock, I look forward to that. I think I'll see that before Mm -hmm. I'm done. Um, I don't know. I think we're decades from that level five of where you're taking somebody. I think it's going to be extremely difficult to take somebody out of the vehicle and not have somebody there for weather conditions. Um, You know, it's just there's just way too many things that need to be put in place before you're going to have a robot driving a vehicle down the road. And like you said, it's it's going to be a challenge. Like I said, we'll get there eventually, but there's going to be a lot of steps in the process before we can get there.
0: Right. I I know that a lot of the, uh, um, the individuals that run or are part of those autonomous uh, companies, especially when you get out to Silicon Valley, there's tons and tons of these organizations out there, and they're all feeling that, you know, we're going to see this by 2024. And um, I I think that the technology, I think I agree with the technology, probably will be in place by 2024. It's going to be the rest of the world that has to kind of come to that technology before it, it could actually be...
2: Yeah, it's it, you're looking at massive infrastructure, up, you know, overhauls, upgrades. I mean, it's just there's so much that is going to have to be done before you're going to be able to take somebody completely out of that vehicle. And, I mean, you look at some of these conditions we drive in now, I and mean, some of these states have a hard time just keeping the roads repaired. Exactly. You know, and, and we're going to expect everything to be completely flipped over. Yeah. Run yeah. In, in, in four vehicles. years, less than four years, yeah. three years. <laughs> you know, it sounds it sounds good to the shareholders to yeah. say we'll have it in four years, but the real world application for it is well beyond that.
1: Yeah. yeah and I, I absolutely agree? agree with that. Um, for those of you that come down uh, 75 and get off at the Lima Avenue exit, now you'll notice that when you get into the turn lane to, to exit to go down to the roundabout you'll see a series of dotted lines in the road. And that is the the purpose of those dotted lines. It's not only for trucks, but it's for cars that have the steering assist. That allows the car to pick that line up and keep centered in the lane rather than just having one big wide open gap. And that right now is probably the only exit that I've ever seen with that series of dots because it's new construction, they're trying to move forward, So for every exit on every highway to be just equipped with those dots, and this is one little simple step, is going to take years
0: and years. Yeah, so it's piece one. Well, so let's talk a little bit about some of the advantages. And I also want to talk about, obviously, some of the disadvantages, which I think we're touching on a little bit of both. But there is a possibility for less accidents when you start talking about uh, that autonomous vehicle. I know for myself, I had a little bit of experience a few years back with one of our trucks. Um, driving in a situation where it was construction, I had the cruise control on, and all of a sudden the truck started to slow down, and I just had forgotten that that technology was in the truck. And I thought, well, you know, I'm cresting a small hill. I'm thinking we can't be losing power here. And uh, here, it was just that, that uh, automation that's kicking in the cruise control and, and putting on some braking and, and keeping me safe at a safe distance. Now, my, my wife's vehicle has that same technology in it. And I will tell you, when you're on the interstate in Detroit, uh, it's not a bad feature to have. I kind of like that. Um Automated trucks increase and decrease deliveries uh, for on-demand situations. I think they're looking at bigger picture, longer term. That you're able to kind of schedule things out a bit more. Um, cost savings through increased efficiencies, like fuel consumption, wear on uh, uh, and damages on vehicles. All those things obviously play into um, that automated role. Less um, human interaction. Less opportunity for wrecking a, a truck or um, you know, scratches, scratches and damages and all the things that we, we typically have to deal with. It could also create some benefits in a driver's life by creating more final mile deliveries instead of that long haul type situation as well. Ben, from your, your perspective on this, are there other advantages for the driver with these technologies, things that uh, maybe we haven't discussed at this point?
2: I mean, just the fatigue you know, being behind the wheel for 650 miles, controlling an 80 foot long vehicle that weighs 80,000 pounds and constantly having to be on your toes to make sure everything, cause you know, you're worried about yourself, but you're also worried about everybody that's around you. And from my experience so far, the majority of times the problems that come about are not because of something I've done, it's because of somebody else not paying attention. Absolutely. And so when you get to the end of that day, you're exhausted and you start stacking day after day after day like that on top of each other you get to the end of the week and you get home and you feel it and so you know that's one of the things i think would be a huge benefit for drivers is the simple fact that anything that you can take away from having to you know keep as vigilant as you are right now it's going to take a little bit of more of that and if, and you look at all the different studies and everything that are out there right now. Majority of these major accidents and things, a lot of it comes down to fatigue, where drivers are just so tired that
0: absolutely,
2: they, there's just nothing they can do about it anymore. Um, so you know, you, you you'll see things like that. Um, You know, that final mile, you know, like you said, you know, you're going to open up opportunities, you know, with like you see the hubs on the on the toll roads where guys come in and they drop trailers and then somebody comes and picks it up and takes it that final mile. You're going to have a lot more opportunities once we get into these level four and level five situations um, to where drivers are going to be able to be at home. Right. Um, There's going to have to be obvious adjustments to pay for something like that. Exactly. Those guys that are working hourly are making less money than what guys that are over the road and so if you're going to have guys all of a sudden start shifting, there's going to be some upset drivers Absolutely out there having right. not taking pay cuts. So I mean, they like said there's there's a lot of logistics and detail that has to but we're going to have plenty of time to get Yeah, on that I, I
0: there out. is I agree with that statement. Uh, you know, there's going to be so many things to figure out when it comes to that. And uh, you know, I, for me, you know, kind of one of the disadvantages with that situation is exactly that. Because from a company perspective, if you're talking about final mile deliveries, then you're in a situation where you not only have to have one truck, but now you have to have two. So we're buying that technology at, at a premium cost uh, to put that out on the road and be able to go from you know, ten buck two to ten buck three and then you've got that driver that's going to complete that final mile in a totally different truck now you've got trailer investments that you have to put into place as well because now you've got again even more drop and hook type scenarios so we always have to have uh, a trailer on the move with each one of those units um, and then again, I agree that pay piece is going to be um, a- another huge factor because we're in an industry now, which I'm thankful. I'm thankful to see that we have drivers that are making 50, 60, $70,000 a year. That's where a driver should be. And f- frankly, you guys deserve more than that. If we could do it, we would do that. So um, from that standpoint, um, just the cost perspective alone, I think there's a lot that has to be gotten through. And, of course, then again, once you start adding, adding those costs in, what's the next thing that gets affected? It's the consumer mm-hmm. because that has to come from somewhere. So there's really a lot to consider there. James, from, from your perspective, um, advantages for the company. I know a big one's going to be fuel economy. What else do you see?
1: well it's it's the safety aspect of it you know all this technology you know it it has a price Um, we're paying so much more for a new truck than we were just you know five ten years ago but what price can you put on safety right if that truck you have to realize that a lot of this technology isn't trying to control the truck it's trying to do things that maybe the driver isn't doing at that second for example automatic brake systems. If a driver's fooling with the radio, I mean we all know it takes a split second for something to happen in front of you. And if you had your eyes diverted from the road and were looking down at a radio, adjusting a radio or something like that or your heat and the car in front of you slams on that brake, um, the truck is going to be able to react before you can because you're not going to realize it in time to do anything. But the second that truck applies the brakes and the driver says, oh, man, I need to put my brakes on and touches that pedal. Now the driver is back in control. The truck is no longer applying the braking. The driver is. Right. So it's only picking up that split-second slack. But that split-second can mean the difference between hitting a car at, uh, you know, 60, 70 miles an hour as opposed to hitting it at 20 miles per hour. And, and much less mitigating the, the damage caused by that and the injuries caused by that accident. It may not completely prevent the accident, but it certainly mitigates the circumstances of that accident. Sure.
0: I think that's a great observation.
1: So, and and that's really what all these things are trying to do. You know, the assisted steering is the same thing, um, you know, as I kind of alluded to earlier. Um, it, it's not necessarily to drive the truck. It is to um, take away the driver fatigue. there. Takes a lot less input from the driver to control the steering, and I think Ben, you've probably noticed that. Oh, y- you, yeah. You don't take as much. It doesn't take as much effort. I guess is what I'm trying to say to turn the wheel. It takes much less effort, um, yeah, but uh, it, was... it, it still allows the driver to control the truck. It's it never going to um, outdo what the driver can do. It, for it, what I guess what I'm saying is, if the dri- truck tried to turn. Okay. It takes very little effort from the driver to straighten the wheel back out if he's in a circumstance where he doesn't want to turn. Um, it's not going to rip the wheel out of the driver's hand and make the truck run off the road or anything like that. It just takes a little right. bit of effort, a little bit of input, and that's the purpose of the system, uh, to, to help the driver control the truck. Uh, it will keep you centered in the lane. To some degree, but again, that doesn't mean you take your hands off. Yeah, that just well, means, it'll yell at you if you do, and, and it absolutely will. <laughs> it will. Uh, it will send alerts out, letting you know to put the truck, you know, put your hands back on the steering wheel. There are sensors in the steering wheel to do that. Um, so, at this point in time, I think it's just to uh, assist the driver. We're a long ways from actually controlling the actual movement yeah. of the truck. Ben you had some...
2: Well, it's, you, know, you were talking about with hands-on, like I drive at night a lot. And so I, when I first got the truck, I'm like, let's see what this thing can do. And so you get on the interstate, nobody's around, set your hands in your lap. It's like, I just want to see what, it, what, what it's capable of doing. And it will. It'll give you a little yellow light comes on, hands-on wheel. And if you don't, a little red light comes on and it starts beeping at you. But one of the things I, I have noticed is with that, you know, I, it's just you know keeping that light touch on it. But you've got to give a little jiggle to the wheel or else that sensor, that will pop up. It doesn't just read that you've got right. pressure. That's one of the things I wish yeah. they would, an, an adjustment they can make is put sensors in the wheel itself so that when it can sense it, you've got your hand on it. But right now you got to give a little jiggle to it to get it to recognize that the hand is still there. Because, you know, that's one of the things I have found over the last month of having this is that just having light pressure. The lighter the pressure you keep on the wheel, the better that that lane assist seems to work because it's a, you know because it does make some minor adjustments so you can allow that wheel to slide inside you know within your hands instead of keeping it you know like what you normally would do without this is keeping a firm grip on the wheel right and, and you're constantly back and forth the entire time to make sure that it stays in in, in the position you want it to be in so.
0: Well, I think from you know from that that perspective, I appreciate kind of the thought process for the for the positives. There's some di- disadvantages too, when you get into issue issues like uh, cybersecurity, um, hackable you know truck software, and I know that'd be concern for cars as much as it would be for for a tractor trailer. But you kind of have those additional threats when it comes to things like you know a vehicle that has. Hazardous materials on it, you know. There's a real potential there to have that particular unit turn from um, a simple transportation unit to basically a bomb, you know. And that, so that's a pretty scary thought process there. Differing regulations, you know, state by state, uh, getting everybody on the same page. We were talking a little bit, even just simple things like the lines and the roads. Let alone, you know, whatever legislation we're going to pass. Um, you have those liberties state by states to do things a little bit differently. And uh, I think that could really create some some conflict and make things very difficult for autonomous vehicles in a in a full you know a level five type capacity where the truck's driving and there's no human in, in inside of it, um, you know there there's always that uh, the the employment opportunities for for a vehicle that's a hundred percent autonomous no no manpower one woman power needed for it um, so I, I find that. As a kind of detractor for the industry at that point, an industry, by the way, that we already have enough problem attracting people to come and and and, and do the job. So. Uh, increased costs of u- utilizing those multiple vehicles which i had mentioned before and defining who's ultimately liable for those accidents who does that go to you know is it is it the company that created the technology is it the truck manufacturer is it the carrier whose fault is it going to be when that vehicle doesn't do what it's supposed to and it causes an incident or an accident um, above all else you know in order to get public buy-in Uh, and create safe road conditions. The technology has to be virtually flawless, I think. Um, You know, so I guess my question to this is, do these advantages get outweighed by the technological solutions that autonomy can provide uh, in terms of safety and efficiency costs? What are your thoughts on that? Ben, I'll start with you.
2: I don't think they outweigh it. Um, I said you just look at just our normal everyday lives, technology has continued to increase and has made our lives easier, much more efficient, you know? And I think that with this industry, I mean, even with our vehicles themselves, you know, you talk about some of the autonomous features that are in, you know, you look at what Tesla has been doing with their automated vehicles. I mean, they're almost auto drive now, you know, you got to keep your hands on the wheel, but their technology has, it's remarkable what they've been able to do over the last five or six years. And so as, people get more comfortable with that being in their own personal lives with their own personal vehicles because I think that's where we're going to see this first is in in personal vehicles. I agree. And as that starts to happen, it's just a natural progression that it starts to move towards, you know, other vehicles on the road as well. And so, you know, you'll start to see like school buses, you know, so you'll start to see people will get more and more comfortable with it being around them. You know, it's, you know, I have people ask me all the time about driving trucks. It's like, you know, about the safety it's always about the safety because everybody's got the story out there about the truck that was right beside him didn't see him you're in the blind spot went to shift lanes and the next thing you know you look over and you're staring at the drive tires on, on a truck you know i've had it happen to myself in right. a personal vehicle so that's you know that's everybody's fear and, and you know when you're in a car you're so much smaller than a truck you know it's so you, you worry about that um, but like I said, as people start to have it more and more in their own personal lives, they become comfortable with it. And then I think it's just a natural progression to move it towards our industry as well.
0: Right. I've always used the example of, um, of um, uh, flying, though. You know, the, the technology is so good in a plane that they can actually take off. They can land by themselves. They can do the flight by themselves. But you don't see anybody excited to get a vehicle that doesn't have a pilot on it, right? So I always wonder, I always liken that um, to, you know, what we see on our roadways. And, you know, do we get to a point where we're living in total recall and you got a Johnny Cab that comes up and and picks you up and, and takes you where you need to go and we're just okay with that? Or... Um, is it still, does it stay a hybrid because we just can't accept that next level, that level five technology?
2: Uh, I think it always is going to be a hybrid. I think it's going to be, like I said, I think it's going to be so difficult. I mean, when you look at pre and post trips, if you've got a fully autonomous vehicle, I mean, you're going to have somebody at the pilot whose job it is to go out at the end of the night when a truck comes in and and conduct a post trip on that vehicle. Uh, So I I think that there's a lot of things that are so, driver sensitive that it's gonna make it virtually impossible to have an industry that is just 100% automated. Now, you know, companies that are doing you know switches on the interstates where it's just back and forth, where they're stopping at toll booths and dropping trailers off, you know, doubles and triples guys. Yeah, that's something that might be able to go to a fully autonomous where it's coming from a terminal, making that delivery, and then coming straight back to the terminal so that you've got somebody there that can run a post trip. I mean, it's, you know, there's a lot of little things into it that I think makes it difficult. To take us out of the truck,
0: right, right, James. What about you know from the from the technology technology side of things? Um, what does that look like for that next generation diesel tech? I mean, what what are those skills going to need to be? What becomes obsolete? I guess you know along with that because there's going to be this balance of both. I know you and I have had conversations over the years where y- you're no longer parts replacing, right? You're You're running computer programs and you're diagnosing issues and um, anticipating problems before they actually are.
1: Absolutely. Um, You know, when I started in this industry, there was no such thing as a technician. They were mechanics. And because they were working with mechanical parts on trucks, and as you said, when a part went bad, you figured out what part was wrong and you replaced it and the truck went back out on the highway. Now... We don't use the term mechanics at all. We use the term technician because that's so much more technical than it ever used to be. Um, these, these technicians that we have would absolutely be shooting in the dark if they didn't have a laptop to hook up to the truck. Right. And it's going to continue on and on and on to the point where um, 95% of what you do to a truck is going to be reprogramming, resetting uh, parameters on vehicles. Um, there's going to be very little parts replacement, actual parts replacement. But as long as these vehicles are mechanical, there will always, there will always be a need to change a part out on a vehicle. Sure. Um, but to get to the point where, you know, as we've talked about, the trucks are totally autonomous. And I mean, that's there's no driver, they're going up and down the road. I'm not going to see that in my lifetime, I, I guarantee you. I don't know that my son will see that in his lifetime. He's 20. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just, that the, as uh, Ben alluded to, the uh, infrastructure out there is going to take so many years to do that. Vehicles will actually have to be able to talk to each other, which means all these cars, all these trucks, everything out on the road will have to have some type of sensor in it to where they can see each other. Right, you have got to be
0: able to communicate, and I know a lot yeah, of that technology they're talking about just using a, a Bluetooth type technology to be able to have those conversations between vehicles.
1: Yeah, I mean, because when a, when a vehicle is out of sight, um, the radar can't pick it up, the camera can't pick it up. But if that vehicle is coming at a high rate of speed and there's an intersection coming up, they have to be able to um, um, take evasive action or slow down or stop way before their vehicles get to the intersection to where they can actually physically, quote, see each other. Um, so the, the vehicles are gonna all have to be connected. Um, I don't know if you've, you're familiar with the term the internet of things, but the internet of things is basically where everything, and I mean everything is connected to everything else in some way. Uh, a good example would be a trucks driving down the road and there was an earthquake and a bridge collapsed five miles ahead the truck already knows that bridge is gone and it stops way before it gets there it's not going to go and drive off the edge of the bridge right um and that's just one example i mean your your phones would talk to your trucks your heck your couch might talk to your you know talk to you as you come into a room the lights go on that type of thing um but we're we're just so far from that uh the the uh, the technology and everything that it's going to be needed to do all this stuff a lot of that's just in its infancy Um, there's testing Uh, you know you talk about Tesla you talk about Waymo um, cars these companies that are talking uh, are working with automation they've had accidents they've had had people killed in their vehicles and to me a great deal of this is going to be just educating the public on what a vehicle is capable of and You know, you put a guy in a Tesla that is self-driving, and next thing you know, you got a guy sleeping as he's going down the road. And Mm -hmm. the car was never, ever meant to do that. And guess what? He got into an accident. So, you know, the public has to be educated. And that's going to take years in and of itself because some people uh, just don't want to learn things uh, in, in the proper way. Um, well, and I think that's so. a big
0: difference between kind of the layman or laywoman and, and a professional driver. Exactly. I think you know that that level you're held to a higher standard as a driver. No question. Um, whether you're in a tractor trailer or you're in your own personal vehicle, right, Ben? I mean, yeah. it's just it's just the way it is. And so we have kind of a different set of standards to live to, but it it does kind of bring up a good point that accountability. Uh, that any driver would need to have behind the wheel of an autonomous vehicle, be it a, a tractor trailer or a car. Um, I know there's a lot of truck um, uh, technology companies. Uh, we kind of alluded to, you know, Silicon Valley out in California. Um, companies like Embark and Kodiak Robotics, they're focused on highway driving and leaving the final mile stuff to the driver. You've got Aurora. They use tech like Doppler to try and evaluate velocity and identify the distance between vehicles as well as other road hazards that may be um, crossing in front of of the vehicle uh, they've also tested some of that technology in urban markets which is an interesting twist and something a little bit different from what we've seen to this point point. Uh, and you've got Waymo they've they've partnered with uh, uh, Daimler Chrysler to build technology into the Freightliner Cascadia which again we already have some of that technology um, really, a lot of the organizations are, are focused on the highway driving and resolving the extended time away from home for the truck driver. That technology allows for more employment opportunity through that final mile, final mile delivery, like we had spoken about. But does that automation and the creation of more final mile driving positions actually solve then our driver turnover issues within the industry? Ben, what do you think about that?
2: I don't know if it does. Um, you know, I, you know I, I think about like right now, you know, we're able to be on duty for 14 hours, you know, with our new regulations, we can pause our clock. And so you can go longer than 14 hours with the ability to pause a clock. I mean, I know here in the last couple of days, I've gone well beyond the 14 hours because of being, you know, holdups that have allowed me to pause the clock. Right. Um, so, you know, I don't know if, you know, like myself personally, working a 14 hour day, having, you know, a half hour to an hour drive to and from work, and then you're to me it's you're home just long enough to take a shower eat dinner go to bed get and up do, and it, do again. it over the next day so <laughs> are you really home even though you're sleeping in your bed right yeah you know, so it's just i i don't know if that solves that turnover you know it, i mean it's it may attract more people to the industry you know it's you know with the, some of the technologies and things that are out there i mean yeah, I look at myself. I mean, I'd never in a million years growing up thought I would be driving a truck down mm-hmm. the road. But as I got older and realized that the best part of my day in my previous career was behind the wheel, I thought, well, why don't I have somebody pay me to do that? Right. And so, you know, the circumstances changed. So I don't know, I, you know, I, I have no idea for what uh, reasons people switch. I mean, you know, maybe we get eliminate some of the people losing their jobs because of accidents. Um, unsafe driving conditions things like that Maybe that helps with some of the turnover
0: that's a that's a double-edged sword too because I I would say I would venture to say that a lot of those incidents and accidents happen in the final mile portion right you know it's it's tough to say and I you're bringing up a great point as far as the lifestyle of the driver in the first place that 14-hour clock you know, does that force a uh, trucking companies to say, okay, we only work eight hour shifts now, you know, so that you have that quality of life at home? Because if if there's one flaw that we have is that we're not a home daily company, and um, if where we lose drivers for the majority of the reason that we lose a driver is because of home time, and I'm talking vast majority. Um, you know, it, it, that creates a, an interesting wrinkle that, okay, now we can offer this home daily situation because everybody's offering the home daily situation. Does that ultimately then water down the trucking company pool altogether? You know, does it take the mom and pops like a, you know, a Garner trucking and and you get swallowed up by a lot of your larger carriers, your, your, your Swifts and your Schneiders of the world? Um, There's a lot of different angles to that, a lot of different scenarios that could take place. I think some really interesting points. Yeah.
2: Well, and like you said, you know, going to an eight-hour shift, it brings up a couple of situations then as well as that pay pay again, you know, because you're losing out on six hours a day of your pay. And now you got to have even more drivers.
1: Right. Because now
2: we're we're running three shifts. So we've got to, you know, we're in an industry that's having a hard time attracting people in to get behind the wheel of a truck as it is. Now we need three for each truck. Yeah. And now we need three for each truck. So instead of maybe possibly two. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's like I said, there's just there's so many things on the logistic side of this to figure out that I think it's, it goes along with what James is saying, why it's going to take years and years to get to a point where we're able to go to this.
0: Yeah, we got to we got to definitely crawl before we can walk. As an industry, James, how would you say that we handle a breakdown when you're talking about a fully autonomous vehicle? How do we diagnose? How do we repair? How do we rescue that unit? I mean,
1: well, let me get my crystal ball out here. And, <laughs> you know, that remains to be seen. I, I don't know that I can answer that. Um, I, I'm sure that there is going to be ways of doing it. Maybe it's an automated tow truck that goes out and picks a thing up <laughs> and, and brings it home. I, I really don't know. But, uh, uh as time goes on you know that's just one of the one of the things that's going to have to be dealt with and figured figured out and uh, just the communication piece
0: alone i would think you know whereas today we have a driver that you can communicate with and that driver can tell you okay this is what's going on in the charter this is what's happening right now so we've got some assemblance and order thought process on how we need to approach the situation in, in theory, that would that communication would be gone, obviously probably replaced by some technology that sends an email or something of that nature, but it stands to reason, you know, that breakdown is still going to be a breakdown at the end of the day, and you're still going to have to get it somewhere and repair it.
1: Absolutely. And, and you have to realize even the look of the truck is going to be totally different because in a fully autonomous vehicle, there's no cab. Right. There's, there's no need. There's no bunk. You've got a, a vehicle that probably is, you know, three feet tall, mm-hmm. maybe four foot tall and a lot of that's gonna accommodate things like batteries. Um, a lot of these vehicles may be electric by then if the battery technology is there. Um, you could certainly load a truck up with way more batteries when you don't have to accommodate a cab and have weight exactly limits right. on the vehicle. Um, so you can increase the distance that that vehicle can travel and you've got no emissions. Mm-hmm. Um, so what about length,
0: vehicle length?
1: theoretically you could up, up the length yeah um, it all depends on where you're traveling you know if you're talking about turnpike runs and 75 hey you can get it probably out there 70 foot you know 80 foot right um, or longer uh, you could pull triples you know um, triple no 53s going up and down the highway but all that is th- are things we're gonna have to sort through as we go through this progression of working towards total autonomy, right, um, and that's another just another reason why it's going to take so much longer than people, you know, want to want to say it's going to be. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, the the automation is there, the technology is there. They've done completely driverless runs out on major highways, you know, turnpikes mostly down in the southern area. I know there was a, a recording of a truck that went from California to Texas, completely driverless. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be done. But, by gosh, I think if I looked over and I saw a truck go by me with no driver in it, um, <laughs> I'm going I'm yeah, to make gonna sure, sure I'm scary. well away from that truck.
0: Absolutely, um, absolutely. So, so do you think that... that that 100% reliable and safe technology is a realistic expectation. Ben, what do you think? Eventually? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I mean, eventually I think it'll get there, but like said, I'll never see it. I, my James
0: son, doesn't see, think his son's going to see it either. Well, so. that's, that's,
2: I'm the same way. My son's 12. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he sees it. Now, on like personal vehicles, there's a very good chance that they would they may see that later on in life. Why is
0: on, that? Why do you think that is?
2: it's just it's going to take so much time I mean you were talking about turning the industry completely on its head yeah and it's just, the time is it's just gonna take so long to get everything number one like you said you've got the safety you know when you were talking about the maintenance I think about you know you're an automated fleet it's one thing to have technicians working for you that are computer programmers that can take care of it when the vehicle's at your terminal but when it's 600 miles away, now, now you're relying on somebody else having someone out there. You know, right. going to create with the proper training, right? And, and, which is going to create more opportunity for technicians and for you know for new companies, new businesses to come in that offer that service. By
0: the way, and, there's a shortage of those too, though. Right, right. I mean, you know,
2: it's you know, but like I said maybe that attracts you know because you're going to need you know not only just a technician. Now you're turning more into a computer programmer. You know, you may open up the door and attract newer people that aren't you know wanting to get their hands dirty, but they can come in and hook a laptop up and compute, you know, and just type away a keyboard. So, you know, that may open up some new op- opportunities for people, but there's just, there's just so much that has to be done.
0: Yeah. Yep. I agree. I agree. So just some closing remarks to the, to our conversation today. There was an article posted in March of this year entitled, uh, the surprising benefits of self-driving trucks on the world economic forum website. It states that the positive impact of full autonomous trucks will reduce congestion due to operating by 78% um, versus the current 29% that we operate today. So it's a pretty big gap as far as congestion is concerned. You know, it boils down to route planning based on uh, traffic and the time of day, creation of less administration effort, lower um, inventory levels that are going to be needed uh, less insurance premiums. All, all these are cited as reductions overall, you know, all of these different benefits. Consequently, MPG may also increase by 17% and, and uh, you know, that's based on the fact that, a uh, an automated vehicle is not going to have any problem with driving 55 miles an hour to get from point A to point B versus the 65, 70 that we, we drive today. Um, <laughs> James, what do you think about these protected benefits? I know you're a big, uh, big numbers guy.
1: Well, as far as the MPG, by the time these trucks are fully autonomous, MPG is, is going to be a term that's just lost. Um, it won't mean anything because the vehicles will be electric. Um, we're already seeing that. Um, there's a webinar today I was going to watch. Volvo is unveiling their first fully electric truck Okay. Um, fit for highway use. Uh, but as of yet, the battery technology isn't good enough. There's no infrastructure for charging out on the road. Um, you know, again, it's, it's a long way out there. But I think by the time we uh, achieve full autonomy, uh, that the vast majority of trucks will be uh, electric and a fossil fuel vehicle will simply be a thing of the past. Um, so
0: mpg really just won't even be a part of the it, equation it, yeah
1: it won't even be a factor
0: Ben what do you think about the congestion side of things I mean 29 to 78 percent is a pretty large jump um and I think most of that based on the
2: fact that they can choose off hours to operate those vehicles and right. smoother conditions you know yeah. those types of you things know there's a reason I drive at night and it's for that exact part you know I do not like being in traffic
0: yep I operated exactly the same and, way when and, I know, drove. It,
2: I you know leaving ten between ten and midnight every night you can get through major metropolitan areas without dealing with you rush hour traffic and you're just you're you're it makes it more efficient you yes know, finding those things that make it more efficient um, I would I could see with that with the congestion you know with these vehicles you don't have to worry about you know fatigue drivers being tired someone that just refuses to drive at night right these things can run around the clock so you know they could pull over and. You know, get outside of a major metro area, realizing, you know, with heck what technology, you said the interweb of everything being connected together with Google Maps and all these things that shows you where the congested areas are, and a fully autonomous vehicle could pull over before that major metro area, wait two or three hours for things to clear out, and then get back out on the road. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so you have that but then there's also the drawbacks if you've got all the vehicles driving at night all the time shippers and receivers are going to have to start changing the way that they operate as well exactly so you're going to have to have them be willing to be there at night you know working out you know being operational i know we have several of our customers that we've got a specific time that we have to be there Mm -hmm. and so you know and a lot of those are during the daylight hours you know are is this going to turn into a complete 100 percent drop and hook situation where you right. just got huge parking lots at warehouses where you know these autonomous vehicles come in the truck drops the trailer somebody brings a switcher over grabs that and takes it to whatever warehouse it needs to go to.
0: And part of the problem with that thought process is the same thing as far as uh, trains are concerned. You know, you can't get a train backed up to the building at every, you know, single dock that there is. The same would be true with with uh, a drop pool. You're going to get into some situations with Ma and Pa Kettle's, uh, you know, widget manufacturing company that they've got two docks and they've got enough room to barely get into those two docks. Right. So, you know, what do you do in those situations at yep. that point? Yep, exactly. Well you know the, the other side of things uh, um, the disadvantage you know of those autonomous trucks, uh, there's another article from uh, MATRAC, uh, which is a website. Um, the author Emma Pauline shares that the negative impacts maybe in an industry that's supported by automated trucks does not have the regulations nor the enforcement. In in, in place, and we talked a little bit about that today. Um, The high expense of automated trucks may alienate or remove smaller fleets from service. Again, another, I think, pretty valid point when it comes to that technology. As James pointed out, you know, we've already, we've, you know, I've watched in my short time in the industry how how much the cost of a truck has just skyrocketed um, over the last decade, last 15 years or so. So I can't imagine what another 15 years is going to do to that. Um, Automated trucks potentially put career drivers out of work. Um, The loss of those skilled professionals also creates another gap in handling emergency situations, which um, as another thought that I had as we were putting together this show. You know, there is is something to be said for that seasoned veteran um, that has kind of seen and done things and that reaction time and what to do and what not to do. Uh, being able to program something into a computer for all those scenarios, I think, is just going to be challenging. And, kind of, Ben, you pointed that out at the beginning of this, that that's going to be a real tough challenge um, when it comes down to all of those different situations. What was that movie a few years ago, Sully, right, about the uh, the pilot that landed the, uh, the, the plane um, in the water, and it came down to this question of, okay, You've generated all of these variables, but you knew these variables were coming. And so, from that aspect, the computer could always land the plane safely, and therefore, the pilot should have. The problem is that. You wouldn't have been able to anticipate that problem ahead of time. You had to be live and in the moment to be able to deal with that situation. So that always kind of sticks in the back of my mind when we talk about that autonomous vehicle. Because you can't possibly predict every last scenario that can come up, which kind of stands to reason to both of your points that maybe, you know, 2024 might be a little unrealistic to be able to see full-fledged, you know, driverless trucks out on the road. Um even still, you know, GPS, that's not 100% all the time either. I know I've taken a few trips where my GPS is telling me I'm driving over top of water or <laughs> I'm, I'm cutting sideways across the mountain or something like that. I mean, that technology is great, but it's just not 100%. So do these disadvantages create a truer reality versus the positive points surrounding the use of, of autonomous vehicles? Ben, what do you think?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, everything looks great. You know, to talk about it, we all want to move forward. You know, but it's just there's so many challenges that are out there that have to be overcome. And I don't think people that are within the industry and the general public realizes the challenges that are necessary. You know, these guys that are in Silicon Valley, you know, their job is to make the company exciting. You know, so they talk about, like you said, we're going to be fully autonomous in 2024. That's four years from now. Mm -hmm. There's no way that's going to happen. I mean, and, you know, I was thinking about this. It's like, you know, what I foresee as the, you know, kind of like the first edition of the fully autonomous vehicle. And I think it's more likely um, to see something like this. You know, I, I was reading about this company down in Texas, and they had equipped their vehicles with cameras, like, all over. So it saw every aspect of it, and their drivers sat in a control room and it was like driving a simulator. Mm-hmm. But there was nobody inside that vehicle, so it was technically a driverless vehicle, but it was controlled by a person. I think that's a higher likelihood of being a driverless vehicle an autonomous vehicle than having a computer take over the entire situation. Um I think we're a lot lot closer to something like that. Um and I don't know. Like I said I just
0: you're not. You're not seeing it all the I'm way not, through. Yet. I'm
2: not seeing it all the way through. I said I just I I foresee and I look at things like that. And I just foresee so many challenges to be able to get to it. You know, maybe twenty one, twenty four. Sure, we're at that point. <laughs> I don't know,
0: James. I'm going to give you the final word today. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, I'm just sitting here thinking while Ben's talking. You know, when I was a little kid, we used to watch shows like The Jetsons and other things that predicted what life would be like you know at the turn of the century which was back then you know it's 35 years away mm-hmm. and they had us flying through the air and your bed would fold up and kick you out of it in the morning instead of an alarm clock you know that type of thing that's how they envisioned it being and you have to have goals you have to you know have the foresight to look ahead and say what can we do and and go for it you know make that happen driverless vehicles will get here um but to get everything in place as we've been saying at nauseam here to get everything in place to do it it's we're just not even close yet there's just far too many pieces to the puzzle that have to be put in place to get us there and some of them haven't even started yet because once the vehicles are designed and built and able to do what they're supposed to do, now we've got to start all over again. Now we're going to have legislation. We're going to have new highway rules. We're going to have so many things that have to be put into place before those vehicles can even go out. And when it comes to government, nothing's quick. I mean, everybody knows that. Right. A a problem that you and I could sit in a room and solve in five minutes is a five-year process when it comes to government. So by the time everything is in place to do it, I, again, I think we're just way down the road, but we don't want to lose sight of the goal. They want to keep working at it and continue to, uh, to progress, and we will get there. But we can't rush it.
0: Right. I think I, I really appreciate those final thoughts. Well, gentlemen, I really appreciate your time today. Thanks so much for really kind of taking a step back and look at this from a, a very objective perspective. Um, type of mind frame. Uh, And again, I thank you all for listening to Garner Trucking's Beyond the Cat.